0: Someone has to watch the sheep. What are you talking about? Someone has to watch the sheep. They're sheep, okay? They, they eat, they poop, they sleep. They'll be fine. Let's go. That is the same thing that you said when you wanted to go see the Mutton and Sons concert, and we saw it, and we lost half our flock. We Angel lost half our... Angels! Angels! They just popped out of the sky, and instead of sprinting to Bethlehem, you're all like, no, we, we gotta take care of the sheep. What about their abandonment issues? Hey, guys. I'm erase you. okay, last one there is the stinky loincloth. Let's go. Look, okay, the angels are there, okay? that that's what they do. That's why we call them guarding angels. No, no no, it's guardian, angels, guardian, tomato, tomato. Who cares? Why are we still standing here? Someone needs to watch the sheep. you know it, I know it and the sheep know it. sheep don't feel. You can't prove that. Fine. There's only one way to solve this. Rock, parchment, shears. Loser stays with the sheep. Rock, Rock parchment, parchment shears, shoot! Mm -hmm. Rock, parchment, shears, shoot! Mm -hmm. Rock, parchment, shears, shoot! Ah. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. I think we have a couple minutes left that I can say good morning. So, good morning. (laughs) It's warm outside today, huh? Yeah? You Georgia folks all right? You going to be able to make it? I need to get y'all extra blankets and space heaters and those little crazy things you put in your gloves to warm your hands. You guys need those down here, don't you? Walmart's probably sold out. Did you get all your bread and your milk? I know it's, you got to make French Toasty Toast. I never understood that. Why do we get bread and milk when it's like an emergency those things are spoiling in two days. I'm sorry. You probably need to get water and some, some sustainable protein. That's probably what you need. I'm, I'm, here to, I'm just here to educate you here in the South. But I'm glad you guys are here this morning. You braid the weather. I'm Pastor Mike. I'm the student ministries pastor here at Christ Community. And thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all. You'll all get free candy on Wednesday. Um, see, y'all missed out. See? But I'm glad you guys are here. We've been in the middle of this, this series called The Arrival we're in this season that's called Advent, and, and that word basically just means preparation. It means to prepare, to, to get ready for the arrival of something. And for a lot of us, we, we're, we're really familiar with this season. We call it Advent. We call it Christmas. We call it the holidays. We're very familiar with this season we know what comes. We, we know what's going to happen. We know that we're going we're gonna to hear the Christmas story. We're going to see the, the nativity scene a thousand times. We're going to read Luke 2 a few times during this season. We're very familiar with this season. So as a teaching team, we, we just decided we were going to try to break that down and, and dive deeper into that. And two weeks ago, Pastor Keith preached a message about preparation. How when, when, when you're going on a trip or, or vacation or something big is about to happen in your life, you spend time preparing for it, right? And, and I'm the kind of guy that I'm super spontaneous. Like if I, those, those things at Walmart, like those little, those in caps and the things they put by the register, those are tailor-made for a guy like me. Like I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I need this flashlight that looks like Mickey Mouse, but I'm about to get, and three lighters. I don't even smoke. I need all three lighters. Those things are made for me because I'm super spontaneous that way. My wife, not so much. Like, when we go somewhere, she's got to have a list. She's got to check it twice. She's got to decide whether I'm naughty or nice if I get to go on the trip. Like, that's how she does things. And and yesterday was kind of a prime example of that. I don't know if you guys have ever done any holiday baking, like, you ever do that? Like, anybody force you to do that? Because nobody does that on, on purpose. Like, but I forced my family to do that yesterday because I happened to see a commercial on television about some cookies. And I was like, I want some cookies. So we're going to bake some cookies. And that turned into this huge thing. Like we, by the time we were done, we were buying 80 boxes. And each box had to be filled with two cookies and, and puppy chow and, and all this stuff. And I don't know if you've ever baked before, but you've got to kind of be prepared, right? You've got to have the, the corn syrup. You've got to have the, the, the uh, brown sugar. You've got to have heavy whipping cream, none of which we had in our house. We made five trips to Walmart yesterday because I didn't have a list. And my wife was just like, you got to be prepared to do this stuff. I'm like, no, you don't. Walmart's over 24 hours. I can do this right now. And so we spent time yesterday baking and preparing and, and doing all this stuff for Christmas Pastor Keith brought that message two weeks ago about how how God throughout the the entire history of humanity, even if you go back to day one, all throughout the Old Testament and through to the New Testament, there's been this preparation period for the arrival of the Messiah. And then last week, Pastor Derek did a great job of of getting us into that mood of anticipation where you kind of lean into... Something big that's going to happen. It's kind of like Christmas Eve, that night that no kid sleeps. Like there's, there's presents waiting underneath the tree. I can't sleep when that happens. Like you've had something big happen into your life and you just anticipate it. And so you're so excited. You get the, the butterflies in your stomach. You're just so ready for what's going to happen. The anticipation of what's coming. And Pastor Derek talked about the, the anticipation in the temple of, of the arrival of the Messiah. And, and he did a great job of that. Well, today we're going to talk about, we've been, I've been calling it the the self-titled single off of the self-titled album, because today's message is very simply titled Arrival. The whole series is about arrival, but today in particular, we're going we're to focus in on what it meant to have the arrival of the Messiah actually show up. I know a little bit about preparation and anticipation and arrival, Because I'm a parent. If you've ever been a parent or you are maybe expecting to be a parent right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The moment we found out that we were gonna have our first kid, we ran around the house and we're preparing stuff. Like, we put locks on stuff that I didn't even know opened. Like, you know that little drawer that doesn't open in the kitchen? Everybody has that one drawer that doesn't open. I don't know why we have that drawer. Like, why put a handle on that drawer? It doesn't open in the kitchen, like right below the sink. You're like, this is a drawer. It doesn't open. We put a lock on that just in case. So we baby-proofed our whole house getting anticipating the arrival and, 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 and preparing for the arrival of, of this guy right here. That's my son, Tim. And Tim's over there right now going, Dad, I hate you. Because he didn't know I was going to show this picture. But I remember that day like it was today. I remember the preparation we made. I remember the anticipation that that came with the fact that we were at the doctor's office and we were getting sonograms and we were checking his size and his weight and, and his health. I remember all of that. But I also remember the day he arrived. And then here's the other picture of me smiling. And I'm going to go ahead and address the big elephant in the room. That's my hair. Um, yes, I do have a nose ring in that picture. I don't know if you guys can see it, but some people have already mentioned it. I have earrings on in that picture. I have a necklace that's probably sterling silver and not real silver. Like not, It's like fake silver probably. On in that picture. But I lived in California and that's how we rolled, all right? So leave me alone. Um, but I remember that day that Timothy arrived and I remember the day the nurse handed me that child. And I flipped out at first because when he was born, Timothy was born with big, gigantic knots on his head and I was like, oh my gosh, my kid's head is deformed. And the nurse grabs the baby. And if you're a nurse and, and, a, and a natal nurse, you guys are awesome because you guys know how to handle kids. And this lady, this nurse is like juggling Tim and like throwing him around and whipping him around by the leg. No, not the leg. I'm just kidding. But she's doing crazy stuff with him. And she carries him over to this, what I call an incubator. I don't even know what it was. It was like a little heat lamp. And like she molded his head into a perfect circle right there while I was watching. And I was like... <gasps> That's not right. But now he's got this awesome, circular Charlie Brown head. He's right there if you want to stare at him. But um, I owe him money now, just so you guys know. We came to to an agreement a while back that if I mention my children from the stage, I have to pay them money. So I'm going in debt as I speak. And so I remember that day, though, when she picked him up and handed me this child. And I looked at him and I I knew through my preparation and my anticipation, I was not ready. I wasn't ready. I kept wondering, when are they going to give me the manual for this? And I kept thinking to myself, I lose my keys on the daily. How am I going to take care of a child? But I received him and the arrival happened. And I remember this peace coming over me and crying. I'm just looking at my son going, yeah, this is cool. I think we can do this. So there's this moment when things happen, arrival happens, and it changes everything. You see, today we're going to, oh, I'm going to show you this other picture because I have to. There's me and my wife and my daughter when she was born. Now, this, this one looks a little different. I look like death in that picture. <laughs> my wife looks beautiful. Um, and I told people in the first service, I was like, if you want to see me die, come back later. Because my wife didn't know I was going to show this picture. Um, I love you, babies. You're beautiful. I had strep throat during that picture. They wouldn't even let me hold my daughter. That was as close as I could get um, to her. And then here she is looking really cute. I do that because I love my little girl. No story. I just wanted to dote on my daughter. Um, but she's awesome, too. But I remember when she came into my life also, it was just such an amazing moment of arrival. We're going to look at the shepherds in Luke 2 today. And I want you to think about how common the arrival is to us. How many times have you read through Luke 2? How many times have you seen a nativity scene. I, I would go out on a limb right now to say that mostly everyone in here, uh, I would say a vast majority, a high number, have, have a nativity scene probably in their house right now. I know I do. It's become so commonplace, so familiar that we miss out on the arrival the, the of the Christ child. And so this morning, I want to look at these shepherds and what happened in their lives the moment they were faced with the arrival of the Messiah. So if you're with me, you can turn to Luke 2, chapter 2 of Luke, verse 8 through 20. It's it's a a set of scriptures that even if you've been around the church for five minutes at any given time during Christmas, you've heard this scripture. You've seen this scripture. If you've watched Charlie Brown's Is a Christmas? Uh, story You've heard this scripture. This is some of the most familiar passages in the Bible that we'll ever deal with. In Luke 2, starting with verse 8, says this, That night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. For all they had heard and seen, it was just as the angel had told them. You see, these shepherds, I think, in all of the story of Christmas, in the whole story about the baby in the manger, the shepherds are who we, as people, in 2017, may be able to identify with a little more easily Unless there's someone in here that gave birth when they were a virgin to the Messiah, you don't really identify with Mary on a big level. Unless you were Joseph... And, and and your wife was the one who was the virgin birth, who gave birth to the Messiah, it's kind of tough to identify with Joseph on a personal level. Unless you were a king or, or, or a scientist that studied the stars and you were a magi and, and, and you don't really identify with them if you don't have the money to go out and buy frankincense and myrrh and, and, and all these expensive spices and, and minerals, you don't identify with them so much. But the shepherds are a little easier to identify because here's why. They were common folk. They were just like us. They worked a job every day. They went to their place of work every day. They took care of their responsibilities every day. They were a little more common to be able to identify with. And it was easier for us to look at the shepherd and say, how do I fit in this story of Christmas? You see, the shepherds would be out in their fields, and they'd have to watch the sheep. And when one would take off, they'd have to go and get it. When, 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 a, lot, when a wild animal would attack, they would have to fend it off. They, sometimes they were stinky. They were smelly. They, 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 they didn't get to shower every day. They were out in the fields days on end. They, it was a tough job, and nobody wanted it. And so I, myself, I know can identify with, with that kind of common place more than I can a magi or, or a virgin birth or, or the, the man who had to, to be faithful to the virgin birth. I can identify with a shepherd that has to take care of sheep. And when that happens, I'm going to look at them and say, how did they handle the arrival? And in this story in Luke 2, I I find four arrivals that I want us to kind of look in at and and put the microscope on just a little bit this morning. And here they are. Here's the first one. The first one is this. The arrival of God's presence. The arrival of God's presence. Luke 2. Verse 9 says this, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. They were terrified. Now, a lot of times when we read that part of the story... We get this picture, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. If I say the word angel to you, you get this picture of this humanoid-type thing with these big gigantic wings that have feathers, and, and usually they're, they're white and bright and clean, and, and, and they got some kind of maybe glowing halo over their head, and, and they're humongous, and they kind of fall down from the heavens like a big pterodactyl. Right? Isn't that what we think most of the time? Let me tell you something about a biblical angel. That's not the way they look at all. That's more like a cherub that you would find in like Isaiah six. An angel, a biblical angel, basically would look just like a normal person. They'd kind of just come out of nowhere. Bang, there they are. So, So when you see this idea that the shepherds were terrified Let me let you in on a little secret. It wasn't because they saw this humanoid, pterodactyl-type animal standing in front of them. The reason they were terrified was because they were in the presence of God. The glory of the Lord had shone around them. The first thing I want to talk about, the first arrival is this. We have become so commonplace with, with, with the nativity scene. We've become so commonplace with the arrival of the angel. We've become so commonplace with the arrival of the Christ child that we don't even look at it with fear and trembling because it is the representation of the presence of God. And in the day of the shepherd, that would have meant something because in the Old Testament, if you were found in the presence of God and you weren't supposed to be there, you ended dead. So to, t- to them, this was a big deal. All of a sudden, the presence of God had left the holies of holies and come down into their world, and they were, they were stuck in, in this presence, the glory of God, and they were terrified. Guys, Christmas and Advent has become so commonplace to us that we go about our business forgetting about the arrival of the presence of God. And there's this big moment where the presence of God means something again. And for us, in 2017, Columbus, Georgia, we have this amazing privilege and honor that the presence of God is for us and with us and around us all the time. But are we into a place where it at least scares us a little bit? Because if the presence of God doesn't scare you at least a little bit, you've become too commonplace with God. And in this season of preparation, this season of Advent, the season of arrival, I'm just hoping in urging and praying that we will not become commonplace with the presence of God. Because it's the presence of God, the arrival of that in our lives and in the lives of our family members and others that changes everything. And if you're not at least a little scared of that, I think we need to spend some time in the presence of God. I love the Cresswells, Dwayne and Jody. Jody didn't know I was going to do this, but I love her. She came off stage just now, and she was sobbing. And the reason why is because she just encountered the presence of God. If that doesn't scare you a little bit or at least make you want or yearn to be in that presence, I'm not sure you understand the Christmas story. Because the God, the creator of heavens and earth, and you and I stepped out of heaven, and his presence arrived on earth. That's huge. It changes everything. The second arrival is this, the prophecy It's the arrival of the prophecy Now the shepherds would have known this In Luke 2, 10-12 it says But the angel reassured them don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. There's something you got to know about this prophecy if you, don't, if, if you haven't been following the, the, the biblical arc through this point. It's the first time prophecy of the Messiah had been spoken in almost 400 years. Now, these guys, these shepherds had heard it before because that's how they passed down their stories and and the God's word. That's how they passed it down. They didn't have this like you and I did. They couldn't just go to to Walmart or Lifeway or go online to some Christian bookstore and pick up a copy of God's word. They they told it orally a lot of times. They would sit around and they would talk and they would share stories. And and they would talk about how their their family found faith. and, And they would set up these memorials and they would talk about what they meant to their family. And so that's how they heard this story. But they, have, they would have heard about the prophecy of the coming Messiah. And then all of a sudden, they're sitting, doing their job, minding their own business. And this angel shows up and says, I bring you good news of great joy. The, the Messiah, the Savior, has been born today in Bethlehem, the town of David. All of that would have meant something to the shepherds. They would have got it right away. My question today is this, do you get it? Do you get the significance of the arrival of the, po- the prophecy of the Messiah, the Savior? Because the angel says, I bring to you the good news. Sometimes I think our level of, of evangelism is come and see the good news. When it should be, I bring you the good news. Go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel. It doesn't say come and see my pastor do it because he's awesome at it. And he is. But it says, go, I bring you good news. I think sometimes we become so commonplace with with the nativity scene and and the Christmas story that we miss the arrival of the prophecy. And if you will just get that, that I need to bring the good news of great joy about the Savior, the Messiah that was born in Bethlehem in the city of David. If you will get that and bring it to the world that needs it, it changes everything. That's the second arrival. The third arrival is this. The arrival of the Christ child. Because it wasn't just the prophecy. They weren't just talking about it. The Christ child arrived. He was here. The Messiah, verse 11. Verse 11 says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I saw a meme on Facebook the other day, and it was like this kind of thrown together nativity scene. And it was like they had had like a thrown together baby Jesus. And it looked like it was doing sit-ups in the manger. And somebody said, oh, baby Jesus is going to have lit abs by the end of the season. And part of me was like you, I laughed. I was like, that's funny, ha ha ha. But then it struck me how commonplace am I with the Christ child. That I laugh. Instead of weep. That there are people out there that don't know Jesus. Not that I have to be sad all the time, because I'm definitely not sad all the time. You guys know that i I like that fun. I enjoy myself. I enjoy life. But if I ever get so commonplace with the Christ child that I that I that I break him down into just this little figurine that I break out on Christmas and I put my little nativity scene together, and this little child that I see in the Christmas play of the children, this little child that that I see on the Christmas cards that I send to my family and friends, this little child that's spoken about on Sunday morning for four Sundays during Advent, and we read Luke 2. If that's the only time I get bent out of shape about the Christ child, I am missing the arrival of Jesus. Because we've come so familiar with Christmas, and trust me, I love Christmas. Man, I love Christmas. Probably my favorite holiday. Anytime I can eat something that's covered in powdered sugar and it's acceptable, that's a good day. I can do that for like three or four weeks in a row. Love Christmas, but man, church, we become so commonplace. With the arrival of the Christ Child, and fourth, fourth, and this is the one where it's most important to us is the arrival of the common to the uncommon. You see, I want you. I want to show you the shift in in the in the in the shepherds that you might have missed if you if you didn't if you weren't looking for it in. In the latter part, in, in, let's actually look in um, verse 15. The shepherds say this, when the angels had returned to heaven. Now, there's this big angel or, or this big scene and this angel. And and then the army, the heavenly hosts come and they start singing. And, and, and there's this glory to God on the highest. And verse 15, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I find it odd that they would just say, let us see this thing. Like that's how I describe something I know nothing about. We were sitting in a a meeting last week about about the student center that, that, we're, trying, that we're trying to build and, and we were talking about the floor plan and we're talking about the building and the structure and, and we're sitting in this meeting and I'm sitting in this meeting with Phil Webb and, and, um, and Wes Kelly and, and Ken and the architect. Ken Himes, our, our administrative pastor. We're all five sitting there talking about the building and all of a sudden, Phil Webb, Wes Kelly and the architect start talking about some other language. They were using English words, but I had no idea what they were talking about. They were talking about the building and how it was going to be built and what kind of materials they were going to use. And all I can think of is if you need a hammer, I can hand it to you. Like that's, that's my extent. And that's, that was when I started going, yeah, Ken, I think we can do that thing with that thing about that thing. Because that's all I could do to describe it. The, the, the shepherds at this point were going, let's go see that thing. I'm sure not sure they got it. I don't think they got it at that moment. But let me show you what happens when they arrive into the uncommon. It says in verse 16 they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. There was the baby laying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart. Then in verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The shepherds moved from being terrified in the presence of God to being in kind of a confused state about let's go and see this thing to this moment where they go and they tell everyone about the story to this moment where they go back to their everyday mundane life. But what they're doing is Praising God and glorifying God through what they do, there is this movement from I'm not sure what's going on all the way through to I get it. This is the Christ child because of the arrival of the un- un- uncommon into our common world. We can get a glimpse of who Christ is and go, that is awesome. And this uncommon God, this this. This spiritual God, this, this thing we don't really wrap our heads around, stepped out of heaven, put on bone and blood and flesh, and said, I'm going to step into your common world and I'm going to show you what it means to be uncommon. So, my last part is this How familiar. Have we become, with the Christmas story, that we miss being common or being uncommon in a common place? Because of the Christ child, because of the prophecy, because of the presence of God, Because they have arrived into our common world, we can go out and be uncommon. If you missed that during this Advent season, you've missed the arrival of Jesus. Dwayne's going to come out and he's going to play. I'm just going to leave this right there. Because I want us to sit on that for a second. We're so used to having everything wrapped up in a bow and, hey, do this and this step. Today, I just want to let it linger for a minute. And just ask yourself this week, how familiar have I gotten with the uncommon story of Emmanuel? God is with us. The arrival of the Savior. Stand with me so we can pray. Father God, I just thank you for this space. Thank you for your love. Fact that you stepped out of the uncommon place, the sacred space, into the common and the secular, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, help us not to miss the arrival of the Christ Child, the Savior, the Messiah how that changes everything.